Welcome to the Good News with Angie Austin. Now, with the good news, here's Angie. Hey there, welcome to the Good News with Angie Austin and Dr. Cheryl Lentz, the academic entrepreneur. Always happy to have my friend, Dr. Cheryl Lentz, on the show. Hey, Cheryl. Hey, hey, hey. Hello, everybody in there, and happy almost Christmas. You know, we oftentimes talk on this program <clears throat> with you about academia, you know, and very, um, very, uh, I guess I would say like philosophical and maybe, um, you know, deep topics involving learning and, you know, but I, I like what you're talking about today. This kind of circles back to your dating life because you, you are single, but I think it really circles back to something I'm teaching my teenagers as well. And this is about responding back. I'm, I'm going to call it not ghosting people because I think ghosting people is so disrespectful and so cowardly. So explain your topic in a more academic manner. I think you're really close on the topic. I think there are a lot of fundamentals to being human. Let's go with that because this has nothing to do with whether it's my dating life, whether it's talking to returning phone calls for the doctor, the insurance company, your car mechanic, your your husband, a contract deal, or students, faculty, business. It doesn't matter what you do. The whole philosophy is that a lot of people think they're just too busy. And it just drives me crazy the fact that Let's start with the dating world since you started with that. How difficult it is to go out with somebody and say, I'm not interested and say, thank you so very much for the lovely coffee. We had a wonderful time. I don't feel a connection. Good luck to you. That's it. Simple, easy, kind, and identifying in there. And I, I think people think that's mean, but I think it's considerate because you're not just leading someone on. Exactly. But it's the same thing. I have a business deal going on right now in there, and I'm shocked that I have signed contracts in place, in, 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 signed contracts with professional companies who deal in millions of dollars. It's sitting there, and nobody has heard anything about this deal for weeks now. And so my example is it doesn't matter if it's dating, it doesn't matter if it's your mother, it doesn't matter if it's a huge business deal. The philosophy is the same. I don't know where we in society forgot about our manners. Is it really that hard to be able to say, hey, got your email, I'll get back to you this afternoon, or hey, thanks, we're not interested, or hey, you know, something's been delayed, we need to re, you know, <clears throat> revisit this, or we're going to change the deadline, or some type of communication that puts two parties together except for silence. I don't know where this came from, Angie, but it doesn't matter which area of your life, personal, business, community, it's all the same. People just think that they don't have to. And I don't know where that became accepted. Uh, okay. I think it's laziness when it comes to getting like messages from someone that we can maybe, as they put it, blow off for a while, whether it be like a dental call or this, that, and the other. I do like it now when I get some of these calls that you can respond via text and just like uh, respond C to confirm that you're coming in for your appointment. Because sometimes I don't want to call back um, on all of my kids' dental and medical appointments. So I love the text where I can do that. But you're right, because that makes more work for the reception is if I don't call back and I don't get a text, right? Because if I don't call back, she has to keep calling me. And I'm sure that's super exactly. irritating. It's also, it's also business and money. You are a business owner. You run your own business. When people don't show up sometimes, that you lose money off that. And it's not that you don't show up because the idea is somebody else could use your spot, like my students. You know, if you're going to not show up at 10 o'clock, I have another student who would have liked to. Now you didn't tell me because you didn't show up. 10 o'clock passes. I didn't know. And now another student could have easily sat there. All you had to do is Hey, Doxy, I'm so sorry I can't make it today. Can we reschedule? Now, if I have a student call, I can pick it up. Not a big deal. So it's not that you don't show up necessarily. It's that you don't communicate that you're not going to show up. That's the key. 
And I think besides, they're saying it's disrespectful, but I also think, and cowardly when it comes to like relationships and things like that. But I also think it's lazy. I think so too. And I think, and that's where this whole idea of manners that if we're only one area, you know, if it were just your friends because you know them and, oh, don't worry about it, I'll call Terry later. Great. But it's all spilled over to the appointment that you have, the vet that could have had somebody else in an emergency because they were waiting for you and now they've lost business and lost the ability to serve someone else. So does it really take that much time to be able to say, hey, I can't make it. Hey, I'll give you a call later. Hey, I'll do something as opposed to nothing. I can't deal with nothing. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, you know, I, I just was talking to my son about this because he's 18 and he's never really dated until maybe like the last, I don't know, maybe six months, this, you know, his senior year. And so... Um, I I talked to him about how if this girl that he had been you know doing they just hang out now they like go to a movie and maybe go ice skating and uh, maybe they went out to get coffee or to eat or something and he said you know I'm so busy right now with my business and with finals and he's traveling for a volleyball tournament and you know he really runs this business like the real deal business so he's he's very busy so anyway to make a long story short he said what do i say she wants to do something tonight well i can i said well you can honestly say your grandparents are coming in town that it's finals you finals are starting next week and a few of them started this week and that um you're running your own business and that right now is not a really good time or tonight or if you really don't want to see her anymore then you need to be honest with her and say, just be honest. And so he, the next day or sometime, he, he told me, all right, mom, I talked to her and she still wants to be friends. But, you know, right now we're not going to hang out as in like dating. And I'm like, good, I'm glad that you did that because a lot of kids these days just don't return the person's calls. And I feel like it's like a warm... It's like a warm, nice bath, and then someone throws ice water on you. Like you're having fun hanging out with someone, you're, you know, you're building a friendship, and then all of a sudden they throw ice water, a bucket of ice water on your head. That's how it feels to me. You're like warm water, and then all of a sudden the cold water's turned on. That's how it feels to me when someone just shuts you out and does not communicate. It's so disrespectful. I think so, and it does. I mean, you take it personally because you start wondering, well, what's wrong with me? And if you can just say, it's like, hey, it's not you, and hopefully you're honest, and say, I just don't have the time, I really like you, can we pick this up in January, or I'm just not interested in dating at all right now, I'd like to move forward in another direction. So you don't keep them hanging on, because we we give impressions to people, we list expectations, don't tell them you're going to call if you're not going to call. And I think the kind thing is to have those discussions, they're not easy, but again, it's better than going, well, does he like me? Does he not like me? Am I going out or am I not going out? What if I go out with somebody else because they ask me and you don't know if he's like, well, hey, we didn't break up. I'm like, you didn't talk to me. So it's that whole confusion area that can be very easily resolved with clear communication. If you don't want to go out and date, then just tell them and let them move on. If you don't want to show up for the dental appointment, great. Then let someone else have your spot. It's just consideration. And I don't know why that is so hard, Angie. Simple. Yeah, it's not hard. And it's just, it's, guys, please just care about the other person enough to, you think they're hurting your, their feelings by saying that you can't hang out right now or you don't have a time or whatever. And this girl's really nice. So in the future, when he does have more time, maybe they will date, you know, and it's nice that she still wants to be friends because that's all they've been so far. They've maybe gone out three or four times, but I think it's nice that they communicated in such a mature manner. There was another, there was another instance where the girl wouldn't talk to him about, um, uh, something that happened or was said that allegedly and 
you know, we, we interact with their family. Um, you know, the kids play sports together and she would, uh, has never spoken to him again. And I'm like, she's very much showing that she's not open to apologies because I think it was misconstrued what he was at, asking about. I mean, I'll be honest, what it was is that he saw her drinking and that's not his thing. And he asked her friend, does she always drink and party this much? And that made her so mad that she said that he should have talked to her and she wouldn't speak to him anymore. And there were a couple of other behaviors that he wasn't really. Well, that he that's was, hard. He, yeah. we, we don't want to hurt people's of feelings. Of course but... not. But she just shut him out. And I'm like, that shows her maturity level that she won't have a discussion with you. And it's tough because these discussions are not easy. And this is the part where you have to look at. Well, what is the expectation and can you have this idea? Because if one party is interested and the other isn't, you know all the games we played in junior high. Was he like me or is he like like me? All this. I it know. doesn't change when you're 55 or older. It's still the same. <laughs> games. Yeah, and you I want to be able to stop that going, you know what? Just say, hey, I, you know, good luck. Thanks so much for coffee. I had a great time and move on. No harm, no foul. And you've left the door open. So if you ever see them again, it's somewhere not weird. Sometime, it's polite. It's it's wonderful. It's not a, oh my God, you were horrible i'm like you were horrible because you said nothing you know you, Ugh, well just, i um i i've had these discussions with you because you've had a couple of these ghosting instances Ugh. so i'm glad we talked about this because it's important for me to teach my kids to be considerate and kind to others i also wanted to discuss if you've got some more time i'm going to take you into the next segment here in a minute because i want to talk about daily habits that um cause 90 percent of our relationship problems so you want to do this absolutely I'll okay <laughs> i'm i'm going to jump down to number eight because I think this is very common. Uh, holding the past against people that have been, quote unquote, forgiven. Mm, oh, that's a tough one because you can say the words, but if the meaning doesn't follow and you're like, well, you told me I was forgiven, but you're not acting like it. <laughs> yes. And I just feel like when they've been forgiven, we need to just forgive and move on. All right. Here's one. I've had a couple people in my life and um, I... I call it emotional blackmail, and uh, this website, Mark and Angel, they're calling it emotional blackmail as well. So leveraging or accepting, uh, either using emotional blackmail or accepting it. Emotional blackmail happens when you apply an emotional penalty. You're penalizing someone if they don't do exactly what you want them to do. And so they're trying to change your behavior by my mother-in-law does it. She tries to change our behavior oh, yeah, the cold, from the cold shoulder, right? Yes, by removing her love, and she won't right. speak to you. So you get the silent treatment, or she's rude, or she won't talk to you. I mean, she's done it to us once for a year, and then um, another time for quite a while. But then I had to open the door because I wanted my kids to have, uh, you know, grandparents, and they are really great grandparents. I have to say, but if you don't do as she wants you to do, she does it a lot to my youngest child where she just shuts her out. And it's almost cruel, I think, uh, the way that my little one has been treated at times because she's more outspoken like I am. And I think she is more like me. And so that might be irritating to my mother-in-law. But um, something she said to her once, it was so cruel. And it was, you know, why did the other kid... She took one hope out for a shopping spree and bought her like hundreds of dollars worth of clothes. And on that shopping spree, Faith got a hand sanitizer. And so when she, they came back and Hope had all these bags, I said, what did you get, Faith? And she said, she showed me like a like a dollar store hand sanitizer. So it's become a family joke now that um, I'm going out somewhere or whatever. And I said, well, don't you worry, Faith. I'm going to get you a hand sanitizer. <laughs> so, I mean. But and I think that's part of it, Angie, is we're not taught that. And that this behavior is allowed to continue. And it does become the family joke and the family behavior without having 
and it's not a judgment against you, but it's simply a commentary of saying, we have allowed this to happen, it continues to happen, and it goes generationally happening because we don't teach people to have those difficult conversations. Nobody wants to tell somebody they're breaking up. Nobody wants to tell them that they did something. They're like, well, you know what you did. It's like, what if you don't? And you just sit and live with that resentment. And then you play these games that hurt people for years and years and years. And that's that's a difficult thing. But I think part of this is skill teaching. And well, I applaud you for teaching your son this way because it's I, not easy. I definitely, the kids are learning what not to do through this behavior. But I have to say, because it's not my parent. Um, right. You know, my husband has tried to address it, but this is ingrained into her. Absolutely. She's about 80 years old. We're not going to change her. And that's the thing we talk about, that we're not going to change her. And she won't admit that she's punishing us. We'll be like, is something wrong? No. And then she acts like you're nuts, you know, that you even think something's wrong. So we've learned that we can't change her. I just kind of accept it. And I've uh, taught the kids how to understand their grandparents' idiosyncrasies so they don't take it personally. I want to continue our conversation. Uh, DrCherylLance.com, if you want to get in touch with Cheryl. She helps people write books. She's a professor. Uh, she can help, you know, you write a book. She writes books. Um, but I want to continue this. Daily habits that often cause 90% of our relationship problems. And in particular, I just want to tease ahead. Um, this goes with the emotional blackmail. Giving the silent treatment. Seeking attention by complaining. Using disagreements as an excuse to condemn someone's character. So you don't maybe agree politically. And so you're going to use a, a disagreement to condemn someone's character. I think that's also very cruel. So we want to learn to have better relationships and be a better friend or a family member to others. We'll be right back with the good news and DrCherylLentz.com. Christmas shopping is never easy, especially with teenagers, and Arc Thrift knows that. Arc Thrift has recently added electronic gift cards to their website. Now you can easily buy that family member or special person a gift card electronically to thrift away. This gift is perfect for college students or stocking stuffers. Teenagers and young adults don't want to look cookie cutter, meaning they want that unique, one-of-a-kind product that you can only find when thrifting. Arc Thrift also carries gifts that are great for white elephant gifts, gag gifts, and even toys for the little ones. They have a vast variety of products, but for the holiday season, you can find cheaper-than-store-brand Christmas lights, indoor and outdoor decorations, and so much more. It is the season of giving, so don't forget to donate those clothes at the back of your closet you never wear to ARC Thrift. Give the gift of thrift by going to arcthrift.com. That's arcthrift.com. Chapel, Nebraska is listening to the mighty 670 KLT Denver. Hey there, friend. Angie Austin with the good news, continuing our conversation with Dr. Cheryl Lentz. And we are talking about, you know, having better relationships, having better friendships. And so I wanted to go over these daily habits. And a lot of us do these daily. Daily habits that often cause 90% of our relationship problems. We talked about, you know, people who've been forgiven, but then bringing up the things all over again. Emotional blackmail. And then this one, Dr. Lenz, goes with that. Giving the silent treatment. I think that is a form of emotional blackmail. And you've had that silent treatment. I remember you had a friendship with someone you really enjoyed talking to. And you'd talk with this person for hours on the phone. And it was a long distance thing. And then you got the silent treatment. It's really rough. Well, it's strange because in the absence of information, 
we fill in the blanks. And this is where we girls sometimes can have that emotional, oh my gosh, she doesn't like me. Oh my gosh, she didn't like the way I wear my hair. Oh my gosh, I did something wrong. And we internalize things in the absence of confirmation of, well, what was it? Maybe it had nothing to do with us. Maybe it was all about them. Maybe it was something we said that we don't know we said and they didn't give us an opportunity to go, oh my gosh, I don't even remember that I said it. Those are the types of things that I love this list because oftentimes it comes down to communication because sometimes they'll joke with someone. It's like, hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. It's like, well, I'm mad at you. It's like, well, this is the first I've heard of it. And so we can open that door. But many people, because they don't like what we call difficult conversations, they don't like to be mad. They don't know how to be mad. They don't know how to have difficult conversations. So they just don't. And so we just never say anything in there. And then that becomes, well, I forgave them. It's like, yeah, that, that comment tells me you're a little icy. You're a little, you're, you're still hurt. You really didn't forgive them. So how do we teach these skills? And I think this is really something I'm, I'm really shocked at of how many fancy degrees I have, Angie. And these are some of the skills I never teach in some of my classes, even in my comm classes that I've taught over the years. We don't get into relationship stuff and conflict. I just know a lot of folks, they like to avoid because if it they don't do it, it doesn't hurt. They don't realize it might not hurt now, but it'll probably hurt later. Well, I'm trying to teach my kids a lot of these things so they already have learned this before they get into the workforce because there's so much immature behavior yes. from people who, you know, enter the workforce and don't know that some of these behaviors are really not acceptable. This is one I definitely want to emphasize because the first girl that my son was hanging out with, um, he complained that she was always on her phone. And so this is one of the habits that hurt your relationships, multitasking while engaging with people. So if you are at a dinner or you are talking to someone and you're constantly looking down to text, like if I'm in a teacher meeting and I haven't brought a pen and pencil and a piece of paper, I will say to them while they're talking, um, I'm going to write down what you just said. Uh, I'm going to make a note to myself. So I'm listening to you, but I just want to make a bullet point so that I can, you know, look into that when I get home or send you that, remind myself to send you that info. Um, so I will say out loud why I'm looking down at my phone and that oh, it's awesome. pertinent information, you know, that I need to get from them and put in my note. Or if it's my daughter, like I was in a big teacher meeting and my daughter called six or seven times because she was out front with her friends and wanted me to take her to lunch. And I finally said, you know what? My daughter won't stop calling me. May I just let her know that I'm in an important meeting and she should really stop calling me. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I just try to like articulate, I'm not ignoring you, but so many of these kids now are on their phones while on a date or like when he went to um, homecoming, uh, the three girls were on their phone us a lot. It was a group date. And he asked them to not be on their phones because they were trying to enjoy dinner. And one of them got really offended and kind of told him off. Well, and that's the hard part. We want to be able to think about, well, what's the goal? If you are constantly looking at where you're going to be next instead of enjoying where you are, is that really happiness? And I think a lot of people were looking for that engagement, that connection, other people, but yet we're doing exactly, it's like, well, prom's a big deal. Being on a date's a big deal. You want to tell me that unless you have an emergency, and again, I usually tell a date or with them with, it's like, listen, my dog has had seizures. I need to just at least glance on my phone if somebody's texting me if I'm not home so that I have that, but it's not meant to be rude. Just like you, I'm giving them clues. Yes. That's the only thing I will respond to only because, you know, it's just like an emergency. You have to, if your daughter's called you six times, that, that gives the mother's senses. But I love that you're like, let me just step out and tell her she needs to wait 10 minutes and I'll be right there. We don't like to be ignored, but yet how insistent are we going, well, if you haven't responded, chances are they're probably busy with something. Give them a minute. 
that's a tough thing because we're so used to instantaneous yes. gratification, right? All right, I got... have a friend of mine. I like this on my phone though. When somebody calls me, I have the ability to give them a short message. I'll call you back or I'll send them a text. I'm in an oral defense. I'm on a doctor's appointment. So again, like you, I'm not ignoring you. I've acknowledged that I've got your call. I'm just doing something else right now. I will get back to you shortly. I think that's a, a one second deal. I think that's acceptable. All right, there's two more I want to get through. Um, seeking attention by complaining. I think this is more common than we think. I really try to keep um, tabs on my complaining because I don't want to gossip about people. And because, as you know, my mom is like a professional complainer. And um, actually, when she's been calling me, she, she doesn't complain. But it's interesting because she'll tell me about their dog, what they had for dinner, and her mermaid swimming class. <clears throat> but she doesn't ask about my kids or me, usually. It's a real narcissistic conversation. However, well, living with my brother, she doesn't complain. Like, she used to call the relatives and complain about me and my family, like, every day. Because there's so many personalities to get along with in our household. Whereas with my brother, he's at work all day. She really doesn't have anyone she needs to get along with except for the dog. But she was a professional complainer for the majority of her life. So I do not like getting attention by complaining. And I want to do one more. Using disagreements as an excuse to condemn someone's character. I think in today's society, if we don't agree with someone, we like to just label them something. Well, and I think that's a, an important point is if we looked at the outcome. What is the outcome of socializing at prom? What is the outcome of playing a sport? Um, however, to be honest with you, Cheryl, I don't bring up any of these things because I don't want to be labeled as something I'm not. However you want to live your life, um, I, I am not a judger. You can live your life any way you want. I don't have a problem with that. That's not my issue. And so I don't bring up a lot of these things because I'm just afraid of offending people and that they will misread me or label me. And so I try to avoid a lot of these topics. All right, DrSherylLens.com, we're out of time, but I want you to stick around because I think you'll get a kick out of this topic because I think it's something that is right up your alley. You know, a lot of us get together, Cheryl, with, you know, relatives this time of year, and it's a good time to talk about history, but not just our personal history, also gathering information on our medical history. And this is really interesting. We're teaming up with Susan Manley. She is a genetic counselor and she is a senior vice president with medical services with Myriad Genetics out of Salt Lake City, Utah. Welcome, Susan. This is such an interesting topic. Hi, Angie. Thanks for having me. You betcha. Okay, so we think about getting grandpa and grandma together and maybe asking you a few questions and finding out maybe a relative had sickle cell anemia or something, and you're like, what? I, I found out about some weird blood disease in Russia from like a, a you know a great uncle or something last time. But t tell us how else we could possibly gather really important health information when we're all together this season. That's such a good setup because holidays are a time when so many of us gather with families and maybe even relatives we don't see all that often and we're sharing stories and talking and every family shares many of the same genes and that can include genes for inherited medical conditions such as breast cancer and other types of cancers. So finding out about family health history could be the best thing you could do for your own health because if it's in your family history, you may have risk for it too. And for example, if there are members of your family who got cancer at a young age, like under the age of 50, or if there are multiple cases of cancers in the family, like breast or colon cancer, or rare cancers, like ovarian or pancreatic cancers, these are red flags that could indicate that you might have a higher than average risk for cancer based on genetics. And knowing this information could qualify you for genetic testing that could inform cancer prevention and screening plans for your own health. 
So in this day and age, it's not just getting the info that you write down on a piece of paper when you go into the doctor. This is actually finding out if you're predisposed to possibly get this kind of cancer. Like this is very proactive. Yes, that's exactly right. But being proactive and looking at your own DNA really starts by looking at your family history. So to qualify for this kind of genetic test, um, you have to have those red flags. So not every case of cancer runs in the family. Not every family that has cancer can have inherited cancer. So the family history offers the clues that you look for. And then talking to your doctor about what you find in the family history might make you eligible for a genetic test where you can look at your own genetics to find out your own personal level of risk. All right. So how do we broach this topic? Because uh, I know Grams and Graham aren't as like open to like some of the new technology per se. And so how do we broach this topic when we're all together? Yeah, every family is different. Some families are more open to talking about these kinds of things. Some families are very closed, you know, and especially because it's cancer. I think there's uh, more of a stigma around talking about cancer, but it doesn't have to be a conversation about illness and it doesn't have to surround the the conversation with treatment or details of death it's really about the type of cancer and the age of diagnosis those are the high level clues that we're really looking for as these red flags in the family history so instead of dwelling on the illness maybe getting that information and talking about how it can be used in terms of being proactive for health or how everybody should know that information because more and more our doctors are asking us for family history information about all kinds of things. So we'll all have to know this information to be able to provide it to our doctors. And so how do we go about doing this? Is it, I've heard this pretty simple and then, you know, what do we do with the results when we get them? So I guess first, how do we go about actually testing everyone? Yeah, so if these red flags are in your family history, bring that to your doctor's attention. And the tests that we're talking about today are only ordered by a healthcare provider. Uh-huh. Some genetic tests are available direct to consumer or online. This has to be done by your doctor. Okay. If the red flags are in your family history, it's generally covered by insurance. So it's a covered benefit for most people. And it's a saliva collection. You okay. put it into a tube or it's a blood test. Either way, we can do saliva or blood. The test is sent to our laboratories, and it takes us about 10 days to look through all of the DNA and report the result back to your doctor. So then once your doctor gets the result, you discuss that result with your doctor. If it's positive, then the goal would be to increase screenings or add different kinds of screenings to either prevent cancer from occurring or detecting it early when the chance for treatment and survival is best. So for breast cancer, for example, women would be eligible for more frequent mammograms. They would be also eligible for MRIs, which is a different type of breast cancer screening that the general population isn't qualified for. So talking with your doctor and having this piece of genetic information can really help tailor a plan to try to manage that cancer risk. Well, I think this is just absolutely fascinating. And I, I noticed that you went to school um, at University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. I, I lived close to there in Winona, Minnesota. So I took quite, I've got a, I, oh. I, I've got a fond heart for Midwesterners. 
Yes, I am a Midwesterner at heart. I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah yes, now, but yes. um, my family's in Wisconsin as well. So. Love Wisconsin. All right, so where do we go oh, if we want, <laughs> want more info, at, and we'd like to look into this for our families? We have a lot more information on our website at Myriad Genetics, and our website is myriad.com slash knowyourhistory. Excellent. We've got info about the genetic test as well as how to have these conversations with your family. Well, Susan, thank you so much. Very educational. I love finding out about all the new technology and, you know, medical advancements that can help us stay healthy. Thank you. Yeah, knowledge is power. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin on AM 670 KLTT.